Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not BS. Tune in semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Soothing semantic. Yeah, man, Big ups to the man, yeah. Soothing semantic. Bonjour, welcome to the Soothing Semantics podcast with your host, Henri, and your guest, David Blinder from Marseille. How are you doing, David? I'm doing good. Uh, every day he has another accent on. I can't keep up with him. <laughs> hey, the Soothing Semantics podcast, eh? That's, that's, uh, that needs work. <laughs> that work. No, my well, your actually Brit- your pretty... British old guy is really talented. You think that's, so? That's that's right up there. Okay, I'm not going to th- excite people too much. I'm not going to throw all of them early on. We'll, like th- we'll throw them in later on. Uh, so, dude, thanks for coming on. Thanks for. It's been long me. overdue, considering that I know you since we were what about 15? Yeah, probably just about. Probably around that age. Yeah. It's too too much time, dude. I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> That uh, some suicidal nonsense right there. Oh sure, but if if I'm if I'm going, you're coming with me. But uh, uh, so we have known each other for a very long time. We started as high school friends, and we used to get drunk all the time, go out and party. And now uh, we're old and out of shape, and we don't do that stuff anymore. But uh, we're not. We're still in shape. We're good. We're golden. But anyways, David has finally decided to join me in Miami. After almost two years of uh, of living here, March will be two years. He finally said, "Hey, dude, I'm kind of tired of New York. I'm gonna come and live with you." I said, "All right, I'll have to think about it. I have to see if I can pencil you into my schedule." But uh, long story short, <laughs> lo and behold, well, it was more like you know the whole entire world is suffering from COVID, so I'm gonna be the one jackass that's gonna leverage it to my advantage and change my life for the better because of it. So why is it, why are you a jackass for that? Because I have this like weird vested indirect interest in COVID continuing for longer, unlike everyone else in the entire world. You know, you say that, but that's not the case. But no, what your, <clears throat> what your point is, sorry for cutting off, what your point is, is that I took a bad situation and made it good. 100%, that's the best thing to do. Everyone should do that. But I just had, my point was on the mindset right. of uh, like, listen, if COVID continued for another year, wouldn't be so for bad me for you. Personally, wouldn't be so bad for you. Yeah, you know, so, like that Larry can David. You exp- eh, can you explain why that's the bad. case? Why would that be the case? So, currently, I work for uh, PwC, which is one of the big four accounting firms. They have two hundred and fifty-five thousand employees worldwide, and fifty-five thousand just in the U.S. So, when you have a firm, a company this size. You can't just be, um, you know, kind of like write your own rules with COVID. You have to be extremely ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. You have to be extremely cautious. And, you know, 55,000 people is a lot of freaking people. You can't just, you know, okay, you know, some people, the older people should like it doesn't, it's hard to juggle like that. You have to have like... It's a lot of bureaucracy, which is annoying, but that's what you have to do. So 
the moment when COVID happened, they said, okay, everybody will be home for like two weeks, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, you know, but then once it became as serious as it was, so they said, you know, where we, we can, they kept pushing off when their people will be coming back to the office. And then eventually it's just like, we're out till further notice. So once I heard that, I was like, and actually, if you remember, I was like calling you in June or May because Yoni was like going to go to the National Guard and the apartment was available, that whole thing. And, um, you know, so we were thinking about it for a while. But at that time, there was still, you know, we're rounding the curve. We're almost there. It's almost over. But all that was obviously nonsense. So here we are. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't know whether you were going to come. I didn't. I, I actually, I was kind of betting against it. I didn't it think you were. a ballsy move. I didn't think you were going to do it. And yeah. the truth is, man, I'm so glad you did. I mean, you know that. But uh, COVID for you is definitely a plus. I think it can be, it really depends on your mindset. But for you specifically, based on, on your job and the fact that you can work remotely, you're kind of hoping it... It, it goes a little longer, but hopefully COVID will end and you'll still have that option because I think a lot of companies now transitioned right into where I was fi- going. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll just give you the floor with that. Go ahead, man. So the first thing I wanted to say was about COVID being good for me is that not only am I able to live here because I decided I want to move down here, but it's COVID in a weird way was good for me. I was one of the first thousand people to be a statistic of getting COVID Hmm. in the United States. I got COVID like March 11th. And so what that did was, okay, we, and at the time, nobody knew what it was. So it was like the scary thing. But now everyone knows if you're young, healthy, 99.9, I don't know exactly the number, you get better in a day and that's it. And Hmm. you're basically immune for a very long time. If not, I don't want to say forever, but, there's different studies that have come out. So right when that happened for me, and they, they knew this already pretty early, that you were immune after you had it and recovered. for. So like March 24th, literally two weeks after I test positive, you know, I'm totally fine. And I'm sitting there like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Like the whole world is still shut down. And I'm like, you're fine. For me, and I guess thousands of people like me in New York, it was just like, well, we did this already. You're literally just sitting in pandemonium. You're just, everything is fine with you, but everything else is so chaotic. Right. And you're kind of just like, wow. But if you're a nervous person, so if you don't get it and you can't live, you're just, you know, what's going on? When am I going to get it? Can I go to the grocery store? Do I have to scrub down my fruits and vegetables? Just like, ask people, people, were, just ask people, people to get a, just crowd around you and cough all over you. And hopefully. <laughs> but the point is. Cough on me. You know? right but that the idea is that i got it right away and at that point it was so irrelevant mm-hmm. that like i felt like i literally could have made out with someone on death row with covid whatever cooties like, that's it that's definitely like it that's, totally a, fine. that's that's it. a bucket list <laughs> make out with somebody on death row i like that why not i don't know why death row has anything to do with that that, that was, was very random yeah. but i kind of appreciated it i think i meant to say on their deathbed, but no, they like it better this way. It's much better. Listen, death row is uh, it might be a, a lonely wish. place. Somebody but should give th- those people love. But you know what, dude? What if a guy? You know, I know we're both straight guys, but like, what if there was a guy on death row, like a sixty-year-old dude, and he wanted one last smooch before he goes to uh, to purgatory? I mean, maybe he'll go to heaven. Who knows? 
But uh, what would you do? Would you would you would you kiss the guy in the mouth? What if it's his last meal? Not for me. <laughs> Not for me. So, so I, I would like to help him. I just can't. Just you know, just... So yeah. Um. So okay. So now that you've taken advantage of COVID, right. when everyone suffered, David, and now what? let's get back to the business side of it. Right. So there was actually a big discussion in the Wall Street Journal, other places, how these big real estate trusts or REITs, R-E-I-Ts, are like, and even privately owned real estate, mm-hmm. how they were dealing with the office closures in Manhattan. Because what would happen was you had a company with leases. So obviously a company like PwC or, you know, like Apple or Amazon, if, if they lease anything. Mm-hmm. So those companies probably are going to ride out the lease. Even if they're losing a little bit of money, it's not worth it for them to break the lease and whatever, even if they're working remote. But you have you know, hundreds, thousands of smaller companies, smaller law firms, smaller accounting firms, smaller just random you know, offices, dentists, like any, any person that was out of work for a long, long time that couldn't go in. So instead of paying rent, they would they you know they ran the numbers. It was it made sense to break the lease. Mm-hmm. So you pay that one time fee to break the lease, but then everything's vacant. So these real estate you know, um, these real estate owners and these real estate companies were just like how are they filling the rent? And then the article even went even further that even when COVID's over, the employees are going to demand the flexibility to live anywhere. Mm-hmm. So why would you live in a tiny little office in Manhattan when you can live in a comfortable place? And then you can, you know, come in once, you know, come in for a couple of days. The company will put you up for one or two nights. You come in for some important meetings or whatever, the holiday party, you go back mm-hmm. home. And this is why it's, it's cheaper. It's better quality of life. And this is why real estate is booming for for Floridians because all of the city all the city people are are moving to suburbia. They uh, for the ones that can work remotely post COVID, which will hopefully be a lot of people. Hey, how you doing? This is great news for me. Any suburban state, well, not necessarily suburban state, but suburban part of the state, is is going to benefit massively on the real estate end. You know, especially in residential residential real estate, to be specific. So. Uh, yeah, that's it's it's just I'm glad that you were able to look at the positive sides because there definitely are negative sides. And how are you seeing it differently? Because I don't to be like I said to you before the episode, I don't want to get too much into COVID yeah. because it's just so played sure, out already. For sure. There's no there's but, no reason to talk about it. But I wanted to say one thing, uh-huh. which is that the important thing in that article was that it used to be that these companies and PwC probably is no different, that they'd be like, you have to come into the office. So then the argument would be, what do you mean? Why not? I'll just work from home. And they would say, it's not the same, right? But everybody's doing it. And all these big companies, everybody's working remote. And the productivity line is basically the same, more or less. That's surprising, by the so way. So then you, the, these employers are not going to be able to say anything. By the way, I'm kind of surprised be, by that, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that productivity hasn't gone down when you... Uh, uh, a CEO isn't able to kind of breathe down their backs as much. That's extreme. But what I mean is when you have a company in Wisconsin and now half of your employees are now living in other random other States, you don't have that accessibility the same way you have. Yeah. You can contact them on zoom, but you can't just walk over to their desk and see what they're doing. Uh, So I think, 
it's funny that I that it's it seems to be I've seen a lot of these stats and a lot of these articles on the fact that it does the work doesn't seem to be any worse w- considering people are working from home. I think a lot of the, the truth of the matter is man, depending on the kind the line of work, I think a lot of people with with desk jobs know how to schmuck around anyway. You know, like it's classic. You know how to just do enough work to get by. I'm not talking about you. Accountants sure. are different. No, it's, it's, but, it's you know, you stay at your point. cubicle and you kind of know when the boss is going to or the manager is going to come around and you, you, just, you, hide, your, you hide your solitaire game and you're like, Ooh, well, uh, you know. Yeah. So ultimately, I think it's it really just comes down to how much you want to keep your job and how, many, how much you want those bonuses and how much you want to move up in the company. So whether you're doing it in the office or you're doing it at home, if you're determined, you're, you're going to get it done regardless. So I think that's really... That's my conclusion from it. It's you're 100% right. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you brought that up because I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is are the people you're working with good people? So that means both your boss and the employee. Is the boss a normal, nice, considerate, but enforceful boss? Enforceful doesn't mean yelling. Mm -hmm. It means holding people accountable in a respectful way even. Be like, hey guys, we're doing this tonight. You know, tomorrow it's got to be by me. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Like, mm-hmm, otherwise, mm-hmm. this can't, it can't be otherwise. Okay. So if you have the right team, they get it done. So it's kind of more of a crutch, which is not really reality that everyone, it's, you know, everyone has to be there, all these little things. The main important structure is the right people, the right environment, the right you know, pieces, different pieces on the team to work together. Does the work get done? How does it get done? And how do they work as a team, I think, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's so true. What's really funny is you remind me about something when you're talking about the boss coming back and you hide the okay. solitaire. Okay. So last year, my, my first year PWC, so I, I joined with two other new associates okay. to this particular team. And both of them were one guy was really, really good. He was just very knowledgeable. He knew like a certain type of software we do with computers, with data automation. He was like really, really good with that. And he also was very technical in his accounting. So he was like a very good, he was like a, on the top level of new associates. And the, the, there was a girl who was also very solid, like not as good as him, but very solid. And then I was like on the bottom end. Like I didn't really know much, okay. wasn't really so good with computers. So, if you have a good team, you know, they try to put you, they gave me some of the easier stuff. And then one of the roles they gave me, the director, he's like, he's like this nice guy, Ryan. He told me, he's like, you know, I used to work on this part in PwC in Atlanta, Georgia. We used to have, for busy season, you know, we work long hours, people are stressed out. So we had this guy send the tracker. There's like a certain amount of work we have to do. It's divided into certain tasks. So let's say there's 300 left before we file. Mm. So you would send out that tracker with a meme. So he's like, this guy was a good guy. He knew all the memes. I want you to do it. And so I did that. And I actually got some really good memes going. And it was funny. But there was one day where like I came late. It was like just like a messy day. It was like raining outside. Coming late. My shit's everywhere, you know. And then I like my computer. Usually when we like, you know, you go to the bathroom, you lock it. Because, you know, this client sends the data. I forgot to. And I didn't do the meme yet. So I just left my computer there. But, like, I was still Googling the meme. So you have, like, this 
you have like this big picture of like Dwight Schrute in like his underwear or something. <laughs> and like my boss like walks by, he like looks at he goes like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I saw him in the back of my I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but then like I sent it out after. So he like thought, he's like, yeah, I saw it and I had no idea what was going that's on. That's funny. Yeah. All right. That's, that's harmless though. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's just a so, funny story. So now to kind of transition from that conversation, I, I think it's it's very interesting. You know, just how I'm I'm really happy that this whole worked out because now you're here, man, and it seems like you're really enjoying it. And we'll talk about that in a moment. I just wanted to transition into the whole marketing conversation. So so David and I have been talking about how marketing companies use this deep psychology to get into the mind of the consumer, and people. I mean, there are some people who notice this and are conscious of it, but most Americans are blind to it. And the idea of this is that any kind of company has this marketing and sales strategy that makes you feel as if you need a particular product. And they do this with everything. Car companies, furniture companies, uh, real estate companies, I mean, every single company on the planet, or at least American companies, they they know what a particular uh, target market needs. They go after, say, a specific age range or a specific demographic, and they milk it. And when you look at, if you're conscious and you look at the next time you're watching TV, and you see a Honda commercial, just look at the way they market the commercial. It's a car. It's just a car. But they make it in this way that if you don't get this car that's driving on this beautiful sunset road on a nice Tuesday evening and everyone's smiling in the car, you know, there's a husband and wife, they're smiling ear to ear in this 2020 Honda Civic. No money down. And and people are watching the TV and they're like, honey, I need it. I need it now. And and it's just it's crazy because in actuality the car the CRV they have has been driving fine for five years but suddenly this commercial just and it's just insane how I don't even know the half of it but they literally have these marketers who who and this is something that like our friend from episode fourteen my buddy Shu who came on we were talk we didn't talk about this in the episode but we were talking about it general uh, you know <laughs> as a general conversation but like uh, you know what do you think about all this. Especially during COVID, by the way, I think it's so much more powerful because people feel so panicked. It's such a good opportunity to just be like, you're in COVID. Everything's so bad. You need this now. It's a really, really loaded, loaded topic. Mm -hmm. But I think to get to there, maybe even like zoom out a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. If you think about how many industries revolve around people you know using it Mm -hmm. for what so that they can sell like tv for example perfect so nelson does like the tv ratings how many people are watching what or whatever if you have more people watching your show then you can sell advertisements for a higher value Mm -hmm. because the advertisers know that more people are watching your show so that's how these tv companies make money it's a like it has nothing to you enjoying their show is like only step one. Uh-huh. The people have to sell stuff for you to make money. 
And then obviously the most important point of marketing, which is people say this lie all the time. If you have a good enough product, it'll sell itself. No, it won't. No, it won't. How do people know about it? If a, if a tiny little detail on products are off. But what about Lamborghini? They don't do commercials. There's certain things that have already a reputation built. How did it get well, there? I don't know. I, I don't know the okay, history of Lamborghini. Well, wouldn't you say that that product at this point is selling itself, though? Rolls Royce, I mean, it's no product. There's no product that you can design now that even if it's a fantastic product, it still has to be marketed and built Initially. up and modeled in a way where you can show that it's actually a good product. And if it's not such a good product, you can market it in a way which kind of disguises it or hides its flaws just showing you it's good. Mm-hmm. An example of that, you gave the Honda commercials. If you ever see the certain car companies, you know, you can tell they're catering to a wealthy suburban family. And then there's other companies that are, you know, the nice, the nice family from around the corner, like a nice full car and like jingle bells, jingle bells, like a little like kind of ugly dog you're, with all the kids in the back. I'm stoked because you ju- you're helping me get into another it's thing. It's just like, it's very, it's very tailored exactly to that. And if you notice, you won't see, it's not just that they're different products. They're different products and therefore they market towards different people who buy the different product. So like the people who Target are marketing, man. Honda, Toyota, and like, let's say Hyundai, they're all fighting for like that family, that middle crossover class, middle or class, that SUV lower middle with class. like four kids. That's like they're fighting for that market. So that's super intense competition there. And then you have like, the, you know, BMW, Mercedes, they're looking for like the upper class suburbanites with like maybe two kids. Or, if that, if or, that, or the large, the majority of Americans who actually can't afford it. Right, but <laughs> who the are going idea into debt is, for it. Is that they, that's, but that you hit on a very important point. The fact that they're painting it, the picture, that way, and they know that all of America wants to be that person. Exactly. It's not that the, you are that person. It's not that somebody's saying, you know what? That's me, the rich suburbanite. Exactly. I wish I was that person and I can, you know, either pretend that I'm there or maybe I can use it to climb up. I, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, they, yeah, 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 they, yeah. yeah. This is all manipulation. It, 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 it sparks this idea in your brain that gets you to think and pu- pushes you to take action. And it's brilliant. And, and for me, there's a part of me that's like, oh, that's kind of manipulative. But at the end of the day, all of it is. All of it is because do what do we really need? We need a bed. We need food. When we, what are, like what are our actual needs really? When you break it down, ninety nine point nine percent of the things we consume in America they're not needs, but we are convinced that if we don't have them, our lives aren't the same. Yeah. So another thing that I wanted to touch in uh, wanted to touch on. Um, I totally lost my train of thought, but I'll I'll let you get your train of thought. Ah, uh, America is a consumer based economy. <laughs> Like, we barely produce anything. Yeah, but there We're was all something... all consumption. Dude, there was something I really wanted to touch on. <laughs> Damn it. It jingle was something bells. like this. No, it was something like this. I said jingle bells. You're like, ah, you, you reminded me yeah. of something. <laughs> no, it was... Because uh, it's tied into what we're talking about here. Okay, so another it. thing about marketing, is very, which is very interesting, mm-hmm. is that... And you could also... All these observations you can see if you watch a regular football game on Sunday. It's that so many of these... The most boring companies, 
not a not a sexy product like a stupid oh, like pill like medication medication car insurance you realize geico they have these commercials that are funny because you have to no one's like i'll get to get car insurance today. <laughs> it's like it's, it's a bullshit annoying thing that like you have to do oh don't get me started so with the car only way thing. state farm they all compete to have funny or cool commercials and other industries don't do that. They don't need to because the, the, the product's product already is, exciting. Exactly. Such a good point. And or a salad. There are I love other, that. There are other industries. The biggest company that is king in marketing is Procter & Gamble, which they own Old Spice, mm-hmm. like a ton of like medication and I would say like, I don't know, pharmaceuticals, kind of like convenient products. Mm-hmm. Um, but they like Old Spice. Like you had that rip guy spraying the deodorant. There's certain things that like, you know, there are products that if they weren't made cool, they would be mundane and you have to differentiate them by, and an easy way to do that is to, you know, put a hot girl in front of one, you know, this car. Oh, this is a good car all of a sudden. Or, you you know, you can make a commercial standout funny. Like you think about it, every car insurance company, Mm -hmm. Geico, State Farm, Liberty Mutual. I'm telling you, you can watch, if you watch enough YouTube or TV, you know that all, right, they all have like weird, funky commercials because they're trying to get that split second of attention you might be paying to a commercial. And it's also the the brilliance of adding a certain theme song. So you sing it. If it's in the car, you know, you have like one, eight, seven, seven cars for everybody in the world. That is amazing. (laughs) But they have so many of these. They have um, uh, go to the general and save some time, you know. Yeah, and I'm, and yeah, you're yeah, in your yeah. car, and you're, you're in your car, and you know you're going to your boring ass job, and you're like, go to the general and save some time. And you stop at the red light, and you take your clothes off, and you start dancing, and like, and and then they, the, you, you need to look for car insurance next year. Where are you gonna go? The general. I mean, like, they're just they know how to milk it. And uh, honestly, man, I have no hate towards it. It makes sense. Because who in the hell, who in their right mind is going to take the the uh, who in their right mind is going to pay for something they don't want to pay but have to pay for <laughs> if unless it's it's marketed in this amazing way I just or in general with food I love with food products uh, as everybody knows most of the time when food is presented on TV it doesn't look nearly as good as when you eat it in person but we've all kind of accepted that occasionally it does but usually not but I love when. I don't know, Wendy's has like a salad menu, you know, and they promote this healthy salad menu and you just see this, you know, very good looking woman and she's laughing. <laughs> it's a very funny salad. I think she finds the salad humorous and she's sitting there cracking up and there's just lettuce flying everywhere and confetti and people are people are sitting at home and they, they need to order salad now because pretty Sally is just cracking up at her salad. <laughs> I don't know what the I don't know what the I really don't understand it, but it's right. It works, man. It works. It's but just, yeah. If you take a step back from marketing, hmm. marketing is really how to present to the human psychology a product that's attractive to buy. Oh, infomercials. Infomercials and old people. That's the best. (laughs) That's the best. Because wouldn't you think by now that old people would start to catch on, but they get old people every time. My grandmother never never fell for it. I give her props for that. She never bought into it. But you have so many of those, like, people in their 70s and 80s, they're sitting at home, and this guy, you know, this guy gets up, this guy gets up, and there's this kitchen counter. It's always the same. There's a kitchen counter, and he sells another stupid sponge. But this one is revolutionary. (laughs) 
Oh, hey, I'm Tim, I'm Tim Stevenson, and this is the new Squeegee Spongy Sponge. Do you need to get off poop stains? Well, the Squeegee Spongy Sponge will get it off for you. Just one quick swipe, and you don't even need paper towels. The best and, he's, and he's just go, and he shows like, like all... 1995, of, but wait, there's more now. You'll get you another sponge. And the truck, and the, the truck and comes And even in. more. Beside from the second sponge, we'll give you a complimentary towel. <laughs> yeah, this is like, and you see, like, you see Irma sitting there, and she's like, "Do you hear that? They're giving us a towel." They call the number right away, and they're like, "Hello, squeegee spongy sponge." He's like, "Yes, hello." Wendy, I'm doing like this little act, but like, I can't believe their infomercials are so badly made. So that's they're that's so, really and they sell these crap products, and people buy them. It's crazy, but it actually works, man. I, I think to that to that target audience, I guess. Those you that I think that was how you sold, you know, second like class products before the internet. Now you just you go it's online. It's a nice way of saying crap products. Yeah, yeah. but you know, <laughs> yeah. if somebody's buying it, then the guy who's making it is laughing to the banks. So oh yeah, cares? oh yeah, hundred percent. So, but that's probably their target. You know, they used to do that probably before the internet, and these old people they don't know the internet now. They can't handle that. So. You run out some uh, something like that. Are you having trouble getting your Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security check? Call us now, and we'll restore full. Like, <laughs> and her eyes, oh, her eyes light up. And she's yeah. like, really? You know, and they just—it's oh, crazy what but they get you with. I'll tell you what's really interesting about marketing, and this is related to how to understand consumers in general. For example, you take the grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. There's not one grocery store in the world that the milk is in the front of the store. I, I le- actually learned this in a, in a class in college. Because when you walk, if you need milk is the type of thing you would go quickly in and out. Mm-hmm. But before you go in and out, they want you to see the whole store so you buy more stuff on the way out. They have it's it a similar so... marketing mm-hmm. is playing with the uh, you know the human brain to try to get you to buy either more or this product. Look what they do with toilet paper. I mentioned that with uh, with with Ellie, the Puerto Rican Jew, on the on the other episode. We were talking all about this, especially with toilet paper. Toilet paper was simply some news some news outlet, some media outlet, just decided to blow up this this toilet paper scare. Oh, there's not enough toilet paper. How are we gonna wipe our butts? And everyone's in this frenzy that they could have taken anything. They could have said there's a lack of microphones, and suddenly every home would have a microphone. I shit you not. It's it's crazy how people are such sheep. They just they're so afraid that it, I never never bought into it. I literally said to myself, I am not going to mentally get be, become a part of this stupidity. If I if I'm wrong, maybe I'll be damned and I'll have no toilet paper and I'll worry about it when the time. It's literally <laughs> what I told myself. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong and I'll I'll find the solution. But there was no way I was going to run to the store and grab all the toilet paper I can and get into like a fist fight with someone. It's so stupid. Yeah. But half of the country was in this frenzy and Bounty and all these and Charmin and all these other companies were laughing to the bank, dude. They made a killing. Yeah. It, listen, killing. these media companies, media is a whole other thing. Media lives for panic porn. Oh. But yeah. um, that's what they make their money. Sure. It's it's definitely possible that there was some collude like collusion there like that, that that definitely could be you know they can make a story out of anything for publicity mm-hmm. actually you would love this so there was like people in my office used to love talking about this story so for years chick-fil-a has been like the best chicken sandwich right that's like just known in america 
and recently Popeyes, like two years ago, I think, they came out with like a spicy chicken sandwich, and people really liked it. It sold out very quickly. Mm. It, it was like a, oh, an odd hit. It was just a hit, and people were surprised because Popeyes was like a lower level restaurant. And um, oh, I just remembered. You just helped me remember what I wanted to say. Go on, go on. I'm not forgetting. <laughs> it, right. I have it. I have it. So, <laughs> good. <laughs> so what happened was. So after Popeye sold out and got all this publicity, oh, they're rivaling Chick-fil-A with this new sandwich. So Chick-fil-A put out a tweet saying like, basically in code saying, we're the best chicken sandwich. And Popeye's reply to that tweet, y'all okay? Something like flashy reply got like 5 million likes. Wow. And these people who do research on marketing said that a tweet with 5 million likes got so much you know, advertisement and publicity that it was worth $40 million. That level of marketing, publicity, and just outreach wow. to people that didn't even, like, wouldn't have come into contact with. And that exploded their product more. So it's not even like, a, even like a funny tweet can explode a product so rapidly. Humor is so powerful, man. It's humor not, is yeah, so powerful. It, the right it, kind of humor. At the end of the day, it's just playing with the human mind in any given way mm -hmm. so you can you know show that this car is a fun family road trip car or it could be like oh this is the funny chicken sandwich like yeah. it could be anything yeah they did this so what i wanted to go back it's such a good point dude i i agree with everything you're saying the i can't i can't even under there's no you can't argue i really don't think you can really argue any of this I think um, what I wanted to say is I think in a sense marketing, it's a funny thing to say, but I think it's some of the most, it's not actually racist because it's just marketing is marketing. But when you go into different communities, you'll clearly see certain stores of all sorts, whether they're restaurants or clothing stores or you know whatever the case may be that target that area. Sure. And it makes sense. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how, that's smart. It's intelligent. But when you go into these areas, you realize that a lot of the stereotypes we joke about are very much put into practice. When you go into a Jewish community, you'll see, I mean, a lot of the, these kosher places are owned by other Jews, but you'll see, oh, let's, be, let's be fucking real here. Excuse my French. Okay, I'm the one, I'm the one cursing. I hope You're it's good. cool. Um, with, uh, you'll see, honestly, you'll see a ton of banks. <laughs> okay, it's just how it is. And you'll see a lot of restaurants because Jewish people like to eat a lot. And you'll see like suit stores and you'll, you'll just, if you're Jewish, you know what Jewish people like and they're there. <laughs> if you go to a black community, you're going to see those things. Okay, guys, hate on me all you want. You're going to see, you're going to see uh, like hairstyle, hairstyle stores. You're going to see fried chicken and all those other things. They're there. This isn't like, oh, you're being so terrible. Go there for yourself. You go to uh, uh, an Asian American or an you know an Asian area. You'll see you know the karaoke places. You'll see uh, all these the ceiling. whatever it is. You'll you you see it. You see it happening, yeah. and it's just the funniest thing because we we make fun of these things as if not all of them are true, but a lot of these stereotypes are actually you know, and it's just so, so funny. That's, I don't want to get into this like heavy. You know, it's it's a country race you know. topic, but okay. just one thing I would say is that. That's where maybe some of the gray area where people would, you know, would come back at you as is that, you know, th these people are uneducated and, 
So for them, they don't really know that McDonald's isn't healthy. I'm not saying I 100% agree with this or 100% disagree. I'm just saying that, you know, from that, that's why people sometimes say, oh, these corporations will do anything for money, even if it means this. So sometimes it, maybe it's a little true and sometimes it's not true. But that, like, definitely with, like, the minority areas with, you know, they have McDonald's, Burger King, you know, the, all Wendy's all in that area yeah, i don't i think they're not dumb these companies and i this you may of course they're not dumb dude you, they do you, this yeah, very intentionally you, very you very knowingly. Under, like i if you look at a mcdonald's financial statement like these guys know everything everything about their target demographic that they're trying to you know advertise to and by the way you can also see this if you watch basketball and if you watch football Basketball is a mostly minority fan base. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of white people too, but basketball, you know, a lot of black people, a lot of Hispanic people, a lot of minorities running to basketball. And if you watch playoffs, and I, I, I was there, I saw this, you see the commercial break is like a cheeseburger spinning, its juices dripping, the cheese is melted perfectly. And like football commercials, they're also food, but it's a different, it's like, you know, it's it's like it's not the same. It's Lay's potato chips. You can tell football is a mostly the middle of the country. You know, the South, the Midwest, more white. There's different products. That's Obviously, crazy. there's some overlap, but you can tell by the commercials themselves that this is football and this is basketball. So this it's not is, the is same this thing. It, that, here's the real weird thing about it. Here's the, where the real controversy comes in. Is it these corporations? that push these stereotypes onto people and then now we have these stereotypes? Or is that that people genetically or, or due to nature and nurture have these food preferences or clothing preferences or you know hair preferences, whatever it is, and then companies to exploit that? So you can go either way with that. It's very hard to know which one that is. I think it's a mix of both. I think it started with you know, I can, I'm not going to speak for others, but with Jewish people, we have, you know, our certain culture and obviously different, not all Jews are the same. And, you know, you have Jews from all walks of life, so they have their different interests. But in America, we intermingle, you know, Jews of all walks of life come together. So we tend to enjoy a lot of the same things. But that's just like the funny question to me, because corporations have so much power, they can, they can push. I don't think know. it's not a one size fits all answer. Definitely right. not. Mm-hmm. However, they would only be doing it if they knew they could make money or if they had a very, very strong inkling. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to make up a stereotype, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they can milk a, something they see a trend in and milk it to a stereotype, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they created it, you know? Right, right. I don't think they did, man. I think we, we as people, we I don't know interest. the history of McDonald's. It could be McDonald's was just like, you know, hey, if you have it once a week, if the entire America knows McDonald's isn't healthy, has it once a week, we can make a certain amount of money. And then it could be developed into, oh, actually, there's certain, you know, minority, uneducated people that are having this three times a day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. Let's just advertise to them. I, I don't know exactly what it is. Not that that's the case. I'm not saying I know. I'm just, but I'm pretty sure that, let's put it this way. Greedy corporations, right? Mm-hmm. They want to make money. And if they want to make money, then they're, promoting a product which is going to make money and so in that stereotype case that means that those people were acting that way or buying those products or eating that way the whole time like, right 
Yeah, so again, so. it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, but I think it would have to be tilted that way, unless you have any other... One hundred percent. I d- I definitely I I think it's like that. I think it starts with certain interests, and then they milk those interests. But I think uh, something that's not so related, which I think is very interesting, that I think about. You have people who are in the lower end of the spectrum financially. Who, who? It's a funny way to put it, but they they'll eat lower lower. They'll eat cheaper foods, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people would think, oh, okay. Well, if I have less money. Let me just buy cheaper food. I think there's such a psychology. When you eat ramen, for instance, every day, you develop more of a poor mindset. You're used to eating cheaper food, so you end up just looking at your life that way where I'm the ramen-eating person. And I've come to realize even if no matter what position I'm in financially, I'm always I'm, – I'm never going to like go and ball out on restaurants unless I'm like, you know, God willing, in the near future I'm doing very well. Even then, I never, th- I never think – I don't ever think I'm going to be this person that eats out all the time. I really don't. I'm much, much sooner I'd hire an in-house chef to make me mood food than do that kind of thing. It's just I don't see the purpose. But uh, I think there's a psychology in in anything that you do, especially with food. If you eat properly, it doesn't mean to spend an astronomical amount of money, but to eat proper food from a grocery store, quality food, it not only makes you feel better mentally because you're eating like a man or a woman. You're, you know, you're eating like a human being. You're not eating this garbage processed food and family dollar. You're, you're, it's also healthier. You're, you're, you're feeding your brain and your body better food, which means that you can, you can operate better as a person mm-hmm. and you'll be more productive. But if you eat this garbage, you're, you're not feeding, you're not giving yourself the nutrients you need and you're ultimately probably going to continue eating that food because you, you're, for two reasons, you're telling yourself that, that's the only food you can you can afford, and B, uh, you're literally just feeding yourself garbage. So it's just like a, that's like a thing I've thought about recently. And I, I talked to somebody that a colleague of mine, and he he he's a lot older than me. And he was he was totally agreeing. He's like, if you're gonna spend your money on anything, or or go cheap on anything, food should not be one of those things. You get where I'm coming from? Yeah, sure. And I think um, and it's I I got that from my grandmother too. She was always I very. I mean, what I would say <laughs> is that food. There's, there's a spectrum just like anything else. Yeah, but no, but what I, I want to be very clear. When I say that, I don't mean that you should go and b- blow money unnecessarily. It simply means that instead of buying ramen, yeah, you yeah, can go that. and buy food. It's going to be sure. more expensive, but it's quality. Right. I'm not telling you have to go to Whole Foods and buy everything organic. I think organic's nonsense most of the time. But I think, uh, you know, you get where I'm coming from. Cause yeah. People... No, I mean, I think what you mean to say is that Fresh food, fresh meat, fresh poultry, fresh vegetables. Those are like essentials, and you can't you can't go wrong spending the extra bucks. Sure, I mean because likely the people. I mean, you're who, not. I don't think you're talking to regular, um, you know, educated and people who brought up were brought up in like middle class backgrounds. I think you're referring to more like some of like the uneducated lower class. People who maybe don't even have a grocery store nearby. I, like I've seen documentaries <laughs> on that, and that's a very big problem. Yeah, that's 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 screwed up. That's the, very screwed up. If they don't have access, to, if they don't even have access to it, that's very problematic. So, so actually, you're tra- pivoting to an uh, interesting point. Is that the market is a very good thing, the free market. Mm-hmm. So the grocery store, Walmart decides we're going to build here because there's four towns right around here. And all the people will come and we'll make money. So what happens if the market doesn't 
you know, if Walmart can't turn a buck. And that a lot of these bad neighborhoods, Walmart moved in. Three years later, they're out. Why? Because it's riots. People steal stuff. Some people don't even come. Like, they don't appreciate the fact that they have a Walmart there. Walmart, you know, if they're not turning a profit, they're out. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, and it's funny, a lot of, you know, these black politicians, a lot of them, they're like, beg these big stores to come because it uplifts the whole community. You have fresh Mm -hmm. vegetables, Mm -hmm. you have fresh food. But if it's about, it's about money. And if, you know, if it's not worth it, if there's a riot once a year, which wipes out, you know, and terrorizes people, no one's going to come to the store. If there's people stealing all the time mm-hmm. and causing disturbances, these companies yeah, are going to move com- out. Businesses do not do not care. A big time company does not care Cash about people's feelings. Line. And and honestly, they shouldn't. Like, you should you should try you should always put the clients first and do your best to do well by them but you can't make them all happy so you're always going to disappoint somebody so with a, you know if you want to be massively successful for instance with a Walmart Walmart is at the top of their game at the top of the, the food chain the biggest when it comes retailer to, in the whole world right, by so, far so they I mean they know exactly what they're doing but you better believe that they're not going to sit there and worry about it whether they offend a community or not they're doing what's in their best interest so you know what you said. I think can be taken out of context because you you know you mentioned the black community, but it goes for any community where if a, if right. a if a a, a specific uh, company or a specific industry decides to try to do business in any given community and it doesn't fare well for them, they're out. Like you said, right. they're not going to waste their time. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that's, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It's. The market is a really good thing, and then there's holes in the market. Markets aren't perfect. There's, there's whole, mm-hmm. definitely holes in markets. Um, but you can't pretend – this is a big mistake. You, you can't pretend that the market or capitalism, which is a very good system overall, if not, and it's not perfect, but it's a very good system. You can't pretend and say, like, demand that, you know, a company become a charitable organization. It's not right, – that's, right. that's a different thing. <laughs> It's a different thing. It's all tight, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Capitalism is, you know, you and I agree. Capitalism is, is, I can't think of a better system. I mean, is it? Does it exist? Can it be created? Maybe, but you know, it, it create it incentivizes hard work. It incentivizes top of the line products, top of the line service, and uh, it creates selfishness to some degree for sure. But uh, you can't have it all. You can't have everything always. And um, I just saw something. It's right after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I just saw a video on, on YouTube. This guy, John Stossel, he's like a libertarian, interesting guy. He has really cool videos on YouTube. You like them? Um, like a ton of them, like five minute, but very straight to the point. And he talked about Thanksgiving, you know, or what everybody thinks Thanksgiving's like this romantic time when like, <laughs> You know, the white people stopped killing the Indians and they shared turkey together and everybody was, you know, having a kumzitz, you know, all, all that bullshit, right? Well, you can explain what that is. It's, it's, a, it's a Yiddish term for like a get-together, like a, a food and celebration or whatever. Like singing and yeah. whatever. So he said, basically, he discussed how in the years before Thanksgiving, when they first came there, they lived in like a kibbutz type of community, like a shared community everyone Mm -hmm. lived on this had it was entitled to the same land the same products everyone was entitled to the same corn from that field and there was close to starvation 
because people had no incentive to work harder because everyone was going to consume everything. You couldn't save anything. Mm -hmm. And then there was a new governor from England that came. I forgot his name. This is like way before. This is like mm -hmm. in the 1600s. And he said, you know, this is not working. So he said, you know, the Pinsky family, you get this piece of land. The Blinder family gets this piece of land. And then they started being successful. Because once it was my field, then I could plan, I could plan accordingly. I could say, I'm going to go corn. Since you're growing uh, you know, wheat, I'm going to grow corn. Since we're, I'm growing corn, you're growing wheat, he's going to grow you know, potatoes. And then we can all barter our goods. We can then save. We can plan. If it's all one communal thing, you go nowhere. Mm -hmm. So he said, like, that time, the, the first, like, capitalistic victory for Americans was, like, before, in that era, way before America was even founded, which That's I thought wild. was kind of interesting. That's so interesting. I had never knew that. That's funny. Yeah. I'll definitely, definitely check this guy out. Yeah, I mean, capitalism is not ideal for the weak-minded, and it's not ideal for lazy people. There's no way, there's no nice way to put it. If you're somebody that wants handouts, if you're somebody that doesn't want to put the work in, go live in another country. And I mean, you're welcome to live here. Just don't complain because that is what America's built on. America's built on you get what you put in. You're rewarded for your hard work. You're rewarded for your phenomenal work, your expertise. And that is what incentivizes professionalism. So this is why we have some of the best everything in the world. You know, we're, we are America for the simple fact that we understand that if we provide an exceptional product or an exceptional service, we're going to be rewarded accordingly. And that that brings a lot. And I mean, that brings, I don't, there's nothing that needs to be said. It's very evident. You see it in America. So, uh, you know, some people, definitely people who disagree with me, and those are usually people that don't have, you know, they kind of just want everything handed to them. And uh, I vehemently disagree with that mindset, but uh, you know, you do you. <laughs> you know, I'll give you. I'll g hopefully some of my tax money will go to you. It probably won't, but uh, you can hope. I mean, that's a whole. That's a whole nother, a whole yeah. nother yeah, Pandora's yeah, yeah. box. Yeah, tax. I mean, but I don't really. Honestly, I don't really want to go into taxes yeah. right now. But like, it's just crazy how big the government is. Like, how there's like what, like a million employees. So your tax money is like probably. 70% just paying somebody whose job might be unnecessary. 100%, but the, I don't crazy. even care. I don't even look at it. I don't even think about it anymore. The other thing that's interesting, though, is that um, just when it... Uh, damn it, I lost my train of thought again. Um, I guess I'm tired. What happened with the... <coughs> we're talking about taxes? Mm, I don't remember. Oh, well. Very forgetful today. I know, man. I guess it's been a long day. You but, uh, uh, you need your um, you know, your Joe Biden shot to get all fired up because <laughs> you you're a little off. <laughs> Apparently, oh whatever this whole election. I don't even want to talk about. I don't yeah, want. Yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. about politics. But uh, you know, ultimately, capitalism all the way. Marketing is is a great, an absolute must, and so is sales. They're both key. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's definitely sales is a whole. Yeah, all like companies are using salesmen. It's all sales. It's all marketing and salesmen. Every successful company. That's a done. little bit of a different element of that basic, right? If you zoom out all the way. Mm -hmm. So marketing is how to, I don't know, manipulate. It's not the right word. But how well, to inspire someone they to buy the top. Yeah. 
a mar- marketing is selling and right. selling is marketing. You, right. you, I mean, you, you but can, it's the same thing. To be a good salesman, you have to know the psychology behind the person. Mm-hmm. And to market your product effectively, you have to know who you're marketing, how they think, well, why they think that way. kind of the same thing. Right, right. It's a different side uh, of the coin. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I just think marketing hits people on a larger scale. But then again, I don't even know how they're so different. They're, you know, they obviously, it's funny because when you really think about it, they're both kind of doing the similar, a similar thing. When you look at selling, you kind of think of something on a smaller scale. But in actuality, now with the internet, you can sell something to millions of billions of people in the t- with the touch of a button. So uh, they're both vital. But you, you, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, sharp edges and touchy points with selling and marketing because, like I said, it's largely manipulative. But that's business, you know. It's it's uh, convincing the masses that they need a product. With politics, and not that we're going to get into that, but all of these debates and all these things and all these politicians are convincing people that they're the answer and they're the solution. Right. It's a little horseshit. But uh, right. as long and as you have like, enough people to believe in it, they don't understand what they, they're not making any sense but they have like that one catchphrase you know make america great again yes we can Obama. Yeah, like it's crazy it's just you you give you know 40 million people something they could chant in an arena and wow he won the popularity contest he's gonna run the free world it's just it's i was crazy. watching a thing by um Patrick Bet David, you know the guy who does valuetainments. Yeah, I like his stuff. You like his stuff? Yeah, no, I love. He's, he's very, very, very uh, articulate person. I'm gonna get you on for my podcast. His long think, videos. With if the you board. think you can run, you can't. You can run, but you can't hide. Patrick Bet David, I'm on to you, bro. We're this gonna... dude is gonna stalk you till you're 90 oh, dude, years I'm gonna, old. I'm you better gonna come on now. Save yourself 40 years of pain. <laughs> I'm eventually gonna get you on, man. Whether you see this now or you see this in two years. Mark my words, and it's funny because he he talks about things like this. But you know, this is this is something I, I you know I'm just I'm manifesting this because I'm not even just saying it because like oh maybe he'll hear it. No, I believe it. Oh, there's no reason why not. So, but he he was talking about uh, the importance of charisma on uh, an, a short episode I watched today, and it's really it really proves to me how you can you can be the biggest savant in the world you can be the biggest nerd and know a such a deep you can have such a deep knowledge of of tech for instance but if you don't have the charisma and you don't have the the gift of gab to deliver your product or your thought in a way that entices people or in a way that 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 amazes people you're never gonna have that level of success that you could have had if you did have it so if you're someone Take a, I'll just take a random pick per, random person out of a hat. The Rock, he's gotten all he's he's been in all different kinds of industries, and he's he has his hands in all these different ventures, and you know he just created a tequila. His tequila, realistically, I've never had it. It's probably a decent tequila. The only reason why it's selling off the shelves is because of The Rock. It's sure. The Rock's tequila. Trump vodka, proper course, twelve, that's proper all, twelve, and he knows that. And you know, proper McGregor's, twelve, proper twelve is a tequila, bro. How come on, bro? Tequilas, uh, whiskeys, there are definitely worse and better whiskeys. But realistically, yeah. if some random Joe Schmo, if I made proper twelve, yeah. dude, come on, like maybe it would sell, maybe people would like it. But Conor McGregor's making, oh, you a wee bit proper twelve, huh? Like I, I, can't, I do a terrible. A Irish lot of accent. people say that <coughs> these athletes are smarter now than they were you know, 20, 30 years ago, they're getting into all these things. 
I think it's the people who are advising them who are way smarter. It's like the exposure you is so much think, more though? that they're, the exposure they have. Is more. Now, I think more than ever, it's easier to surround yourself with the right people that really can explode yes, you when yes. you have the right exposure like these athletes Yes, have. but that does take a level of intelligence to go and, and a absolutely, level. Absolutely. Because you have either option. There are plenty of, plenty of stupid athletes that, granted, they had the work ethic and they, they got to the point where they are athletically, props to them. But then when it comes to the financial end, as stupid as it gets. Yeah. And then your rappers are the perfect example. Morons, especially, I don't give a shit to say this. I'll gladly say it, say it to their face too. These rappers now that, I'm not going to mention names because like whatever. They, you know, the, the whole thing with the whole face tattoos and whatever. Dude, you're going to be a rapper for maybe three years before nobody gives a damn about your music. It's not even music. <laughs> it's not even music. I don't know what it is, but it's not music. You're, uh, you're, you maybe have three years of fame, maybe five if you're lucky, and that's it. You're done. Hopefully, you have royalties, and maybe your music lives on a little longer. Crap, crap music nowadays. And it's sad because these guys think they're going to be famous for a while. They're not, they're not 50 Cent. They're not Eminem. They're not Nas. I mean, the list goes on. They don't have that level of skill, that level of charisma. It's a joke. So now the funny thing is, though, the 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 older rappers like Fifty Cent that you see it now, does he like the rap that's out nowadays? Probably not. <laughs> behind behind their backs, probably like, yo, this stuff sucks. But he knows that that's what's selling, so he'll do collabs with them because he, you know, that's what'll help push his music. And he's like, all right, well, if I can't beat him, join him, right? I mean, he still definitely can beat him. I mean, his music is still hundred times better than any of their music, but. He knows. Okay, I'm gonna collab with so and so. My, I'm the I'm the main card here. They're they're gonna really listen to me, not them. And why not, right? There's a you know. So that's it's just funny though. Now the point I was making here was that Fifty Cent will make plenty of money until he dies. I mean, he's he's good. You know, he's so famous already. He's been in the game for so long. As long as he doesn't just I don't know, decide to do heroin one day, he'll make money in a million different ways. He is who he is. So he's fine. But most of these other rappers, unless some of them get their act together and actually hire a financial advisor and buy real estate and do all those things, so as long as they keep buying the dumb shit they're buying, they're done. After a couple of years, they're washed up and they have no more money left. And then you know, so it's just like really funny that they can't even foresee that. I don't. Yeah, I, it's I, so sad that I'm just watching them and I'm like, dude, you're gonna have a couple of mil for a couple of years and then you're gonna piss it all away and you're gonna just I don't know what's gonna be with you, but it's so sad. <laughs> I mean, I don't really give a shit to be honest, but it's just yeah, it's I, funny watching it from a distance. I don't pretend to be uh, the rap expert, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's yeah. so sad how how we've given them a platform because we've taken what hip hop used to be. Hip hop used to be, you know, you do have occasional rappers that come along. I was going to ask music. you, you you notice when do you think the clear dropout happened? In that industry, because you have like obviously you have like in the twenty tens, man, in the twenty tens, and Tupac, and you 2010s. have like you know Nas, Dr. Dre, right. Jay Z. God, I miss those, man. Like you could tell, like I'm not such a big rap guy at all, but you can tell that that's a different. It's not, you know what it is. I think maybe it's not like the flashy, you know, stupid beat in the background. It's like a usually they're kind of like mellow beats and. It's all about the lyrics and the rhyme. 
with the real good it's ones. It's actually no, I don't like what a lot of them talk about. And I list, don't get me wrong, I listened to the music growing up because it's awesome music to, to to go clubbing at and go to bars at and <laughs> like the music gets you going. But the actual, you know, a lot of them sing about things that are just really not not healthy to listen to. And they know that and they make their money and yada yada. But if you're if you're going to sing about shitty things, at least be good at it. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to if you're going to sing about the classic things that rappers sing about, at least do a good job though. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to sing about garbage and you sound like garbage too, oh man. It's just so it's sad that they it's crazy that the, that they they they're they're awarded so much for something that I really don't think they deserve because we've cheapened hip hop to such a degree. We're like I saw a video, and even Snoop like collabs with them sometimes. But like, there's no way Snoop like doesn't just leave the studio. And he's like, "What did I just do?" Like he just, he uh, he he was he was doing one of his shows. He has like one of these shows, and he was saying like, "All the what's with all this mumble rap nowadays?" I think Fifty was was in the room with him, and he's like, "Hubbadu hubbadu 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 ha." I'll show it to you later. And he was like imitating them, and I was cracking up because it was so spot on. I said, nigga had me in the studio one night trying to do that shit. I'm like, man, cut this shit off. What the fuck am I in here doing, nigga? I don't rap like that. And like, now he knows. He knows, like, you know, he's he he's not fitting into it. He knows he's better than any of them. But he's just, you know, he's like, all right, you know what? I can make a couple of mil doing a collaboration with this dude. And I'll, I'll do it, you know, because at the end of the day, everybody's really paying attention to Snoop and not and not them. So he's like, all right, what there the was hell, that song that like came out when we were in 11th grade. I forgot what it's called. Next episode. No, this song like Busta Rhymes. OK, I think that's who it was. You know what, dude? I love that song, man. It's so funny. I love that song. What's it called? Oh, look at me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting paper. He can rap fast, dude. He can rap really fast. But like, he's not saying anything. Isn't that what you're just talking about? Okay, no, but that's not the same. Because he's actually saying something. You can't really hear what he's saying, but none of the rappers nowadays can do that. No chance. No chance. The rap. Go and look at the lyrics of the rap. It's ridiculous. It's literally like, I had licorice, micorice, stickerish. I had a cup and a bop. And I'm just, it's like second grade level lyrics. It's crazy. And there's millions of fans at like a concert and they're just bumping to it. He's like, yeah, drink water. And everyone's like, wow. <laughs> you know, and he's just got millions of dollars. And it's like, dude, that's it's crazy. You know, just absolute like like kindergarten level lyrics. It's and It's out of this world. But uh, I don't know, man. That's what we, that's the that's the time we live in, man. I th- it's eventually gonna die out. Uh, I think hip hop will go back to it'll it'll always change, but like it'll if this stuff goes on forever. But also, it can't. you know, <coughs> even like the radio songs have gotten like dumber and dumber. They've gotten like less and less. It used to be like rock, like it used to be rock, and then it used to be kind of like instrumental with like a little electronic yeah, stuff now it's like only electronic but you know you play an instrument you're like from 80 years ago you know what i think it's it such is, a man? weird thing you know what i think it is i think people are so easily entertained in the sense where people have like shorter attention spans but they're so easily you know sidetracked 
All you got to do is convince them that this music is good music and they they buy it. It's like you don't have it's to pop culture in general. Yeah, it's you don't exactly have to like you don't that. have to really give any kind of value anymore. It's just you just say, "Oh, here's a cool beat and there's some words in the background." You hit on such a good point in general with American <clears throat> society. We have this like retarded fetish with like what's what's everyone else doing? What like what are the Jones up to? Mm-hmm. You know, what's popular? You know, so any celebrity that wears something like sh- sells in a second, because like, because like he's popular. I want to. I don't. What's the psychology there? I th- it's, well, what's it's, the what's the deal I with Americans' this- fetish and obsession with pop culture, celebrities, and just following the this. herd aimlessly <laughs> with no brain? And like, if it's on the radio, that means it's good. Once it's popular, it's a good song. Like I did this. I was talking to, to, to Karina about this. We were talking about this this exact thing. It's just people who aren't happy enough with their own lives, and they and and plenty of non-Americans are even crazier than Americans. Non-Americans from a poor country that that watch Hollywood movies, they see Leonardo DiCaprio in the streets of the Philippines. They will literally lose their minds. They're, you just don't see them as more well. than Americans, dude. They're over the top. They did I tell you ever? I don't know about as much, but whatever. Did I ever tell you the story? Me and uh, Schleifer, mm-hmm. shout out Zevi. Mm-hmm. We, uh, um, in, I, I think I was in twelfth grade or eleventh grade. Mm-hmm. We were extras in a movie by Adam Levine, who's the I singer remember this, Maroon I Five, mm-hmm. and. It was like honestly, one, this is a horrible day. I was like standing in the same spot, shooting the same scene over and over again. It was a concert scene for like five or six hours, and um, it's pretty funny actually. Adam Levine was a pretty funny guy. In between sets, he's like, "Anybody have a joke?" He just like yelled it out. Um, but I like these girls, not even girls. Some of them were like forty, fifty-year-old women. They were like putting on makeup in the room before we went into the scene and they were like oh my god we're gonna see adam soon we're gonna see adam and then like we got in and they were like adam adam like definitely they were just most losing of them were probably their De- freaking minds definitely were probably married and it's, i it's couldn't insane. like it was you know I, I i'm just saying like i men do get very excited about athletes and women get very excited about Men. You know, men, men, women, whatever, <laughs> celebrities, Oprah, whatever it yeah, is, yeah. right? But like, I I think it was my first time, and I'm not saying I wouldn't get excited if, I don't know, LeBron James is in the room. It would be very cool, but there was something of like, this is cool, I'm excited, to like next level batshit craziness. I thought when I, I, I don't understand how it gets from that to that. I so. thought I was, when I was growing up, I never had this crazy obsession with any of it. And I watch people around me going bonkers over celebrities and all that. And I used to think I was weird. I was like, why am I not why am I not so invested in these people? Shouldn't I care more? And then as I got older, I was like, no, I was the normal one the entire time. <laughs> and I'm so happy. Like I really thought I was the weird one. I also the the trends, I was never following all these sneaker trends. All, all you know, guys in my class in high school had to have the newest sneakers and the newest phone and this. I never cared. I had and occasionally I did get, like, I remember getting a BlackBerry. I was very excited. But, like, I, I would always have a phone. Even when I got a newer phone, I would have it for, like, the next five years. I would wait. I would literally have it till it broke. I would never have, like, <coughs> the BlackBerry 1, the BlackBerry 2, the BlackBerry 3, the iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. As long as it's working, I'm keeping it. 
My iPhone now, I got the iPhone X. I will keep it for the next, as long as I, it, it, it's compatible enough with the updates, you know, in the near future. Good to go with me. And I never cared. And other people were so invested. And I was like, this must be something like off with me because I was too young and too, you know, immature to understand why I felt the way I did. And now that I got older, I was like, no, I'm just stable enough mentally where I'm, I don't like, if I, if I saw Leonardo DiCaprio right there, I would go over and be like, hey, dude, what's going on? Whatever. I would not brown nose myself and, right. and kiss his ass. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about, the difference. I'm, because so if you see Michael Jordan, you know, you could go over, hey, you know, first of I all, would keep my you're a crazy composure. athlete. I'd I love, keep my masculine I love your, frame and I wouldn't be your like, performance. <laughs> and like the fact that you made yourself, you built on your wealth. Like you, now you're an owner of a team. You're a billionaire now. It's sick. Uh-huh. Big fan. Maybe we'll take a picture. You know, good luck to you walk away like after that i don't understand yeah but what's funny you brought that up is that you know how it's very much props to you that you weren't you know uh jealous or you didn't have like it didn't make you mad that you didn't have all the new shit especially kids oh my god they lose i remember being in school and you know my school was pretty well off you know, everybody's middle class or above Jews, but mm-hmm. mostly above. And the, even like, it's the craziest dumb stuff. Like for carpool when you're in fourth grade and like all these kids, they everybody drives a minivan because they all have eight kids, you know. But the new, you know, the, the, the wealthier parents have like, the or the people that are faking it, whatever. Mm-hmm. They have their new minivan with the automatic doors. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, my mom would pull up with, like, the one that you have to, like, yank open. And, like, it's a shitty feeling. And it's so dumb that why, like, it's it's so ridiculous how that it starts at such a young age. For something you can't even drive, you can't even appreciate. You know, man, All you comes, see is the flash. You like, know what? That comes with parenting. If you, and I really believe this, and I think, you know, other parents, other parents, I'm not a parent, but parents will confirm this if they're watching. If you know how to articulate this to your children at a young age or not to be so fixated on all these material things, they'll grow up with an understanding that who gives a damn? Do I want nice things? I'll tell you straight out. Yes, I do. I want a nice house. I would like, I do want nice cars. I don't need a crazy fancy car, but I like nice things. I appreciate nice things, but there's a level to it. I'm never going to need a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, a, uh, any of those crazy cars. Nothing. I, don't, I couldn't care less. If I, if I was, uh, the only time I think I would ever really get it is if I was in my, I don't know, my 60s. And I, you know, I was already living my life and I want to have some fun. But, uh, and even then, I don't even know. Maybe I'll just rent it occasionally just for, for, the, for the hell of it to go with some of my, my other friends who are doing well. And we go for a jewelry ride together. But other than that, like I... I'm glad. I think my grandmother definitely had an influence on that in a good way where she just... we. I mean, I didn't have it growing up, <coughs> even if I wanted it, but I'm, I'm looking back. It's like, especially with celebrities, I, I just never never really cared. And it's funny because I think <coughs> they'll respect you a lot more if you don't brown nose like that. For sure. You know, they'll be like, oh, this guy's actually normal and loves right. himself enough. For sure. Because everyone else is bugging. And there's that one dude that's completely normal when he interacts with them. <laughs> a lot of times even the business side people are so messed up brown nose that they can't even work with them 
It's a famous story. Oh, I don't respect people like that. Like if somebody, if if I'm God willing, when I'm you know doing extremely well for myself, and you know someone comes, a fan comes, and they're absolutely just kissing my toes. I mean, I just in my personality, I'm the type of person to be like, dude, I'm not that big of a deal. Like just just get stand up. Just talk to me like a person. Relax. I'll be like, but I'm such a huge fan. I'll be like, okay, I appreciate you. That's really nice of you, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you like my content. I'm glad you, you're either my content or the way I do business or whatever. I'm glad, man, but you have a lot to offer too. Like, there's no reason why you should look at me like I'm some sort of God. I'm not that big of a deal, bro. Like, it's not, not in an insecure way, like, oh, I'm, none, I'm a nothing, but like, I'm human. You're human. I, I, I went after what I want. Go after what you want and you could have it too. Like, why am I so much more important than you? It's yeah. just it's stupid. You know what's a little weird is, is that sometimes the same famous celebrities, they'll do a total 180 flip in their personality, and people like still love them. Yeah. It's like they're not even the same person anymore. Miley Cyrus was like this teenage Hannah Montana had all these little girls, like, and it was family-friendly. The parents were pro it. Now she's like... Not that. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know. How well, to it seems put like it. she calmed down a lot. She I don't had know, that phase, but she's but... definitely not Disney Channel. That's for well, sure. Well, you can't expect her. She became I'm not an adult she in is, Hollywood. But my, my point is, is that yeah. it's just it doesn't matter. Like if at at some point we're so you know caught up in our celebrity nonsense that like anybody famous could do anything and like still be beloved because why not? Because people. Because I don't know. Because. It, so many people are so fixated on fame, but in actuality, fame has so many cons. People don't like people don't realize the ones that haven't had it don't realize that. I think that's really what it comes down to. But uh, dude, without further ado, well, without further, I always say without further ado at the end. It's, it's always funny that I do that. But without further ado, this is the end of the. This podcast. is the end of the. Podcast. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. I know, at all. I know, I know. I just I don't know why I do it. Anyway. <laughs> That's like the dumbest way to end a podcast. All right, I got Without it. I got, I got roasted. Ado, let's introduce the <laughs> ending of the podcast. All right. You, listen, you, 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 put me, you put me on this on the pan. I sizzled. You turned me over. I'm burnt now. We got it. All right. I'm kidding. Bro, thank you so much for coming on to the episode, bro. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, really a lot of good content. We, a lot of good um, conversation we had today. It's it's very to different. Very different from the conversations I've had so far. So uh, thanks for sharing the knowledge. You definitely, I learned some some quality things today. And uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed. Listen to the whole episode. Don't be one of those 10-minute 10 people. And uh, tune in to the next episode. This has been another episode of Soothing Semantics. Ta-ta.